come in, come into this place which we make holy by our presence. Come in with all your vulnerabilities and strengths, fears and anxieties, loves and hopes. For here you need not hide or pretend, nor be anything other than who you are and are called to be. Come into this place where we can touch and be touched, heal and be healed, forgive and be forgiven. Come into this place where the ordinary is sanctified, the human is celebrated, the compassionate is expected. Come into this place. Together, we make it a holy place. Those words by Rebecca Edmonston-Lange welcomes us all here to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. We meet here each Sunday and at different times during the week to explore different aspects of life, delve deeper into our personally held truths and discover what it is to be human. So welcome on this wet Sunday morning. Whether you're here in person for the first time, the 201st time, or are listening at a later date via the podcast. For those who don't know me, my name's Janine, and I'll be leading today's service alongside other members of our congregation as we continue this month's theme of hopes and dreams. Our minister, Sarah, and other congregation members are off enjoying the annual Unitarian Summer School Week in Hucklow, and they'll be back next week. And just as at Hucklow, as well as at other Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities, fellowships and churches, we'll light our chalice. These following words are by Eric Walker Wickstrom. Here, today, in this place, and with these people. May we listen so that we can hear. May we hear so that we can feel. May we feel so that we can know. And may we know so that we can change ourselves and this world. May this chalice we light, light our way. Let us prepare our hearts, bodies, and minds to turn inwards for a time of prayer and reflection. O creative spirit of life, in which we live and move and have our being, we give thanks for all of nature's bounties. We give thanks for caring friends and compassionate neighbors, and we give thanks for the communion of those who seek to serve others. Each of us carries our private griefs and burdens, 
Sometimes we can share these, and for the open hearts which respond, we are grateful. Sometimes the world bears heavily upon us. We struggle alone, search the depths and long for healing, for renewed hope, for strength, which give their grace and peace. May we be strengthened in efforts to be of service, and may we always be mindful our lives are filled with privilege, success, and joy that are foreclosed to many. May we here bring to mind a situation or person known to us all that we've heard of, which is in need of our prayers and loving thoughts at this time, in a moment of silence now. May our prayer be always that we always see clearly and keep before us the commandment to care. And may we try always to be inclusive and open, not exclusive and narrow. On this day and every day, may we give thanks, but let us also be dissatisfied with the world as it is, for a new world is waiting to be realised. May our spirits and bodies be nourished and nurtured as we give thanks in praise of all that sustains, heals and holds, all that is holy. Amen. This poem by the 19th century American poet, John Greenleaf Whittier, um, is actually often attributed to different authors, and there are slightly, um, slightly different versions abound. Um, it provides advice for sticking at it when you've got a goal in mind. You may have heard it before. It's called, Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up though the pace seems slow, you might succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of clouds of doubt. And you never can tell just how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit.
Hints for dreaming a bigger life. One of the great blessings in my life is that my mother gave me all the freedom to make my own choices, partly because I was so willful as a child, she could not find a way to stop me and gave me all the rope I needed to hang myself if that was my destiny. And now, in hindsight, there were choices that, yes, I could have made differently and wish I had. But the most important choices I made came from following a quiet voice inside me that just knew. Hints from a higher self that I listened to. Growing up in Hong Kong, it was inconceivable that I could have a career in the performing arts. I had never even thought of this as an option. I studied psychology, looking for wisdom, and found rats, tachistoscopes, and statistics. And then my father died. And I helped my mother take care of the family business, floristry. After we sold the flower shop, I taught English as a foreign language while pondering next steps. Then I saw a performance at the City Hall Theatre that made my heart sing. And the quiet voice inside me said, that is for me. I want to be part of it somehow. Volunteer to sweep the stage. I followed that voice and offered my services free to them. Miraculously, they gave me a full-time job. They were looking for someone who had a driving license and was bilingual English Cantonese, me. They had advertised only in the Chinese press for a stage manager and had over 300 applicants, not one, with a driving license. I can't read Chinese. I just speak it like a native. And that knock on the door to offer my support freely was the beginning of the rest of my life. A decade later, looking for work as an actress here in the UK, I knew this acting lark was insufficient. This cannot be my destiny. There is something else. What is it? Therapeutic work? Teaching? And then my dear friend described playback theatre to me. She was from Australia, where playback theatre had landed many years earlier from the States. And she was looking for it in London. Not finding it, she decided she would start the first playback theatre group here and just knew that I should be a member of her team. As she talked about it, my heart sang again. And that quiet voice said, yes, yes. This is it. Follow. 
a theatre form in the service of deep, heartful listening between people, enabling understanding and empathy that can be both entertaining and life-changing for our audiences as well as for the actors, that supports social change and healing as well as offer an experience for the transpersonal to enter our lives in a very simple, everyday way. I could not have imagined then how the world would open up to me in the way it has. I have not been clever enough to make a proper living from this as some of my colleagues have. My mother was right to worry about that. Most certainly, it has been a road less travelled. But my needs have always been met somehow and in abundance with many other rewards unimaginable. Now, that little voice inside me is telling, is telling me to be quiet and still. Enough already. All this rushing about here and there. Be at home. They can come to you if they want. Slow right down. Nurture self. Cook. Garden. Do only what gives pleasure and delight. No stress. Breathe deeply, be present, be grateful, love. A simple life now, plenty big enough.
This second reflection by myself outlines three hints for dreaming a bigger life from an experience I had. Back in early 2004, I was nearing the end of my counselling training, having spent many years studying, when I became aware of wanting to take a different direction. I realised I no, want, no longer wanted to be a counsellor. I wanted to become a personal development, development trainer instead. My first step to dreaming this change of direction, thus my first hint, was having the courage to admit it to myself. As I said, I'd studied for many years starting off on the path of becoming a counsellor by obtaining my first certificate six years previously and choosing to take my time to complete subsequent training, personal therapy, a requirement of the training but very useful in its own right, and other components. I'd invested a great deal. So it took an awful lot of courage to let myself and others know that actually, this wasn't what I wanted anymore. I had my worries that people who'd supported and encouraged me so far might feel let down in some way. But in fact, what I found was that my counselling tutors at the time, they were really supportive and one of them, who taught some workshops on assertiveness training, suggested that I attend one to find out more. And this moves me on to my second hint, aligning myself with people who could help me reach my goal. As well as this tutor, telling other people what I wanted to do led to being introduced to another assertiveness trainer. Her name was Catherine, and she ran assertiveness and communication skills courses for various adult education providers. Catherine had trained with Anne Dixon, who was the leading authority on assertiveness, having penned the book, A Woman in Your Own Right, and run the first courses in the UK teaching assertiveness training back in the 80s. <coughs> I told Catherine of my interest and she was happy for me to shadow her next course, which I did. And I even helped out a little under her close and supportive supervision. She really showed a sense of belief in me and my ability to teach assertiveness when I hadn't yet developed that belief for myself. And having completed a short adult education teaching certificate about a year before, I then went on to study for more qualifications. And this highlights my third hint, learning and developing the skills needed for that dream. I'd always been a very self-conscious individual, even as a child. So although I found the theory of teaching adults relatively easy to grasp, 
The practical aspects were a different matter. At the end of the first course, we had to deliver a small group presentation, putting all the basic teaching theory we'd learnt into practice. When it was my group's turn, I remember walking to the front of the class and then physically and visibly shaking with nervousness. But as I undertook more training, spoke with those who teach and shadowing Catherine, I started to develop some of the practical mastery of some of those teaching skills. And this made it much easier. And then with practice, the nerves lessened. Otherwise, I wouldn't be up here now. <laughs> Learning the practical skills from formal and informal sources was key in developing enough, enough teaching competence to have the baton passed on to me a while later when Catherine decided to follow a dream of her own and I became the New Terms Assertiveness course teacher. So I achieved my dream, and as said, there were three main things which helped me. Firstly, having the courage to admit my dream to myself and others. Secondly, finding and reaching out to those who could help me reach my goal in some way, even if that was just to point me in the right direction, or believing in my ability to do that thing. And lastly, undertaking formal and informal routes of learning to gain the practical skills required for that dream. And I wonder what things have helped all of you in achieving your past dreams. Maybe after the service, you can share your hints and tips with me. So may it be. I'll now hand you over to David to lead us in our meditation. We might like to um, down the oaks and sit up straight. Sitting in a way that encourages awareness. So you can close your eyes and lower your gaze. And then just lift the shoulders up. Inhale, exhale, drop them back down. And again, inhale, lift, exhale, drop back. One more. Inhale, lift, exhale, drop. And then let's go around the other way. Inhale, lift. Exhale, roll forward and drop. And again, inhale, exhale. One more. Ah, job. Now take a deep breath in, really deep breath down into your belly, filling the lungs. And then a long, slow exhalation. Job. So now bring your attention to your face. Soften and relax the muscles in the face. 
could imagine that the muscles in the face are like wax stripping down the side and lighting the candle. And then drop the shoulders. The shoulders should sink down away from the ears. And then soften and relax the belly. So when you breathe in, you're breathing into the relaxed belly. Front of the body's open. Now bring your attention to the corners of your mouth. Just allow them to turn up at the edges into a little smile, a half smile in the water. This very action encourages the relaxing of the fight and flight syndrome by sort of smiling like this. You're telling the body that everything's okay. And then you can extend that smile up into the corners of your eyes. Just let the corners of your eyes turn gently up. So corners of one eyes, corners of the mouth. The whole face is smiling. It doesn't have to be a big beaming smile, it's just a very, very slight, gentle smile. This inner smile technique is um, very, very good for expressing love and kindness and nurturing ourselves. It's a good thing to do perhaps when you wake up in the morning to, to send a smile down into your body, telling your body everything's okay and good, good way to start. So let's now sit in silence for a couple more minutes until the sound will be Tibetan gone.
For me, the biggest obstacle to dreaming and doing in my life doesn't come from any outside source, but from the limits and expectations I set for myself, what we often refer to as that little voice inside your head. I have to wonder why it was ever called a little voice, because in my experience, there is nothing little about it. It is without a doubt the loudest voice, either inside or outside my head. It drowns out the voices of all the other well-intentioned comments and support from all the lovely people in my life. It also has a lot of energy. It is always ready for a go at making me doubt my choices, big and small. Are you sure you want to wear that jumper with that dress? Are you sure you want to write that bit for the congregational service? As you might guess, it can take the fun out of anything. And it can come back again and again until I'm quite worn down. Okay, I won't wear that jumper or that dress. You're right, I should probably just stay quiet in service. In fact, maybe I should just stay home. Happily, as you can see, I made it today, appropriately dressed. And I am speaking to you right now, so clearly I won a few rounds against the voice today. But the voice will visit again later and tomorrow too. Perhaps some of you experienced similar arguments with your internal voices this morning or over the last week. Perhaps, like me, you won some. Perhaps, like me, you lost some too, but still managed to get there. Perhaps you know there are some battles coming up and are already bracing for the struggle. Know that you are not alone. The author, Ollie Doyle, has a phrase that I use to negotiate the obstacles set out by the little voice. Doyle invites us to, quote, step out of stories and into experience. To step out of stories and into experience. One phrase with two big ideas. To step out of stories. Stories here are limiting tales that seek to stop us under the premise of usually trying to keep us safe. Don't take that singing class. You might sound foolish. Don't invite that person for coffee. They might say no and you'll feel rejected. The moral of all these stories being, it is risky to put yourself out there. These stories are the opposite of the aspirational dreams we are talking about today. But I find that simply calling these tales stories, made up bits of fiction that do not come from truth, takes away a lot of their power. Silencing the stories creates quiet. So then I can focus on the other half of Doyle's suggestion, to step into experience. Experience is what we are doing right now in the present moment. Now can be quite basic. I am breathing, I am holding this paper, I am thirsty, I am still shaking. For me, being in experience now also takes a lot of pressure off when I'm doing bigger things, like trying to work on my book or writing a lecture. I don't worry about the whole thing. All I'm worrying about is writing this one sentence. All I'm doing now is writing the next sentence. And now the next sentence. What, I wonder, is your next sentence? 
How can you use now as a bridge to dreams of your bigger life? Perhaps this service can be a starting point for you to step out of any unhelpful stories you face and into a kinder experience of your own. As we prepare to turn our hearts and minds back to the ordinary, let us hold on to these adapted words by Maureen Killeran. She writes, The poet Langston Hughes has written, Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. In the week ahead, may each of us lovingly cherish the spark of our dreams and encourage others to nurture theirs, knowing that all things worth doing begin with the courage and inspiration of a dream. And in doing so, may we help those dreams to fly for the greater good of all. May you go in peace and blessed be. Amen. Amen. Amen.